At Farmers Insurance, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We've seen a car run into a tree, a tree fall through a roof, and we've even seen a car fall through a roof. Hey, babe. Your parents are here. But there's a better way for your home and auto to come together. Bundle them. And when you get both, you could save an average of 20%. Visit Farmers.com or call 1-800-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. We are getting knee deep into it, baby. Here we go, live, back in action, streaming through your internet on Spreaker Radio. This is the 49ers Brawl Podcast, and the show is presented by the Brawl Network at NFL Brawl. My name is Jason Fearman, and Sharon carries with me my co-host, Jacob Bonner. Jacob, we've reached the NFC Conference Championship as the number one seed hosting an old rival in the Green Bay Packers. How are you feeling? It is, I am nervous, man. Confident, but but nervous. You know, it's, it's getting too close, and I can almost taste the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But I think, you know, I think we got a good shot, as, as was last week, as seems to have been every week. You know, you got a lot of people, a lot of people picking against the Niners, but this seems to be the first week where I've seen a little bit of balance and a lot of people picking for the Niners. And that week 12 matchup is almost certainly something to do with that. Well, yeah, for sure. And yeah, it, you know, every show that I watch, radio, uh, TV, whatever it may be, I'm seeing a lot of 49ers favorites out there. They are favorite seven and a half, Jacob, I think. Seven and a half. And that's, that's, that, that was big for me. I thought it'd be about five and a half. Yeah. So when I saw it's opened seven and then moved seven and a half, I was a little surprised. Uh, but I, I could certainly see if it goes the way of week 12, it, it being a little bit of a blowout. But it just feels crazy to me that seven and a half, you know, it's more than the Vikings was against a 13 and three team. Yeah. And, and the Green Bay Packers. Well, you know, you're a professional at this. You, you, I mean, you know your stuff. So I would imagine that a lot of people were on the 49ers early with that five, five and a half points, which is why it got raised up to seven and a half. Try to even out the betting, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Well, five and a half never actually came, came out in the end. Uh, it opened at seven oh, it did. Okay. and moved to seven and okay. a half. Yeah, yeah. I just, I was expecting it to be five and a half, but... After last week's performances, there was a little bit of a little bit of a shift, I think, somewhat from the second half of the Packers Seahawks game and obviously the dominance in the Niners Vikings yes. game. So yeah, I thought when it opened seven it might move a little bit towards the the Packers, just because especially, you know, that's around that nice touchdown right. level. Uh so yeah, I mean to say it's the same line that the Chiefs Titans is 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 probably a little bit of a surprise, right? You'd have thought the Chiefs would be higher favorites over the Titans than we would over the Packers, but one would you know, think. I suppose, yeah, but I suppose you know Titans beat the Chiefs earlier in the season, yeah. so and it goes on matchups. We know that you know the, the what they do uh, a lot, and you know this. They look at the offensive defensive line like even the weight of them carries a lot of weight. You know, no pun intended over there, but. Um, you know, again, we both know it starts in the trenches and Tennessee's got, 
you know, a good line going up against Kansas City's, I don't know, mediocre offensive line. Same thing with with the 49er game. Their defensive line is overpowering against the Packers' offensive line. So right there, that makes a lot of sense to me. They do think about the stuff. They're smart for a reason. You guys know what you're doing. And you mentioned it real quick, man. 13-3. and three, Both teams finished 13-3. and three. Uh, got obviously got number one and two seeds in the uh, in the NFC playoffs, but Jay, this year's Packers team is really like the least talked about top tier team in the league. Like you, have, we really haven't heard much about the Packers all year long, and all they did was finish with the best record in the NFC along with the Niners and got a bye. But I feel like nobody's talking about them. Yeah, I I don't know if it's because you know, look, Rogers hasn't put up monster numbers. They had some awful performances. Look at the Chargers game. You know, look at the Niners sure. game. They've they've had performances where they've just completely not turned up. And the Niners haven't had that. Really, their worst performance is probably that Atlanta game, which still came down to the final right. play. So I, I I get it. I definitely get it. And I think the Niners are more talented in almost every aspect. But there's just, you know, it's one of those things where it's hard to look past Aaron Rodgers and, you know, he's in an NFC championship game. And when you let someone that good get that close, well, you never know what could happen. No, you don't. That's true. And you, one could argue that this is the best Packer team that Aaron Rodgers has had since their play, uh, excuse me, the Super Bowl run back in 2010, I believe it was. And that's due to their run game and the improvement on defense. You know, again, they're not a juggernaut on defense by any means, but they can get to the quarterback. So, that's their forte over there with the Smith brothers. But, uh, you know, he hasn't had the run game in the defense like he did back then, uh, 2010, 2011, maybe 2012. Ever since then, the team kind of, you know, faulted off. Yes, they had um, championship games against Atlanta in 2016, go deep into the playoffs against the Cowboys. I know all that. But um, this team seems like more of a complete team to me than in years past. Yeah, the pass rush is definitely their strong point. Uh, but it has to be because I don't believe their defensive backfield is particularly good. You know, they give up a lot more touchdowns to receivers than is league average. I believe it's a rough, roughly 20% higher than the league average. And so if the pass rush doesn't get there, then they're in trouble because these DBs aren't covering for a long periods of time. And so it needs to be on point for them. Uh, and, you know, last time when they played in week 12, Niners had no Joe Staley and they still managed to do a decent job. Joe Staley, I believe, hasn't given up a pressure in like five weeks or something crazy like that. So when he first came back, he was a bit shaky. He had his uh, broken thumb, I believe, but he's really kind of cemented back how, how he was and they're going to have their hands full for sure, but they really have got a chance here. I think if they can slow them down early, where we don't need to be throwing the ball, just like last week. Get ahead, and let's start running the ball. Yeah, then I was going to say, the Niners can expose that if the Smith brothers are getting upfield quickly, uh, you know, on McGlinchey and Staley, whatever it may be, then that run could work out in our favor with the def- with defensive ends already in the backfield past him. Uh, things could work out that way. You're right, and we are a running team. Let's not forget. And there's a lot of stats that go with that. So I'm going to run through a few stats uh, real quick with you. Team stats of really why the 49ers should not just win this game, but really dominate this game. Now, we know the 49ers won earlier this year. We talked about it at Nauseam already, 37-8, to back in Santa Clara in Week 12. Uh, Rodgers has never thrown a touchdown on Richard Sherman 
So that kind of brings up, you know, Devontae Adams. You think they're going to line him up on Sherman? You think they're going to put him more on the left side? Because Sherman's playing the left side on the defense. So Devontae Adams, his he's best when he's lined up on the right of Rodgers, which would match them up. We're going to get into matchups later, but where Devontae Adams up to me will dictate how this offense is going to be run for the Packers. Yeah, I I, I think there's a there's a balance for me. You almost don't want to, you know, every time there's a play on one side, you don't want to flip it just so he's not there because then you mess up kind of that muscle memory. You know, say it's a rollout play and Rogers is always rolling out right and then suddenly he has to go left. That's going to start messing with things too much. But if there is, maybe you start to call a few more plays where he's on the left. Maybe there is a few where you flip it. If it's a simple play, like a simple slant or something like that, then flip it. It's not making too much difference. So... I think they will try and stay away from him. However, I expect them to test him at some point. I don't think, you know, it's not going to be this game where he goes through the whole game with no targets. At some point, they will cut, They will come after him. And I would expect, you know, the, the receivers behind Devontae Adams, it's, it's a bit of a mess, you know, coming into the season... I think they ex- they expected Valdez Scantlin and John Allison to be the right. guys. That's not really been the case. Uh, I believe, you know, Adam Lazard, they thought would be then, you know, he stepped up, had some good games whilst Devontae Adams was out. I mean, last game, the second highest receiver in terms of snaps on offense was Jake Kumaro. And so you've got to feel pretty good on, on the Niners end that if Adams is on Sherman, Mosley should be able to handle you know, whoever's playing wide on the other side. And I've got a lot of faith in Kwon Williams on on probably Allison. He's normally the slot guy. So if they do want to go Adams on Sherman, I'd be I'd be quite happy, you know, because I think there we're probably better a- across the board, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I do. And, you know, you were mentioning, you know, the lack of wide receivers. Their second leading receiver on the team is their running back, Aaron Jones. He's got 49 receptions this year, which is more than any of the other wide receivers other than Devontae Adams. So that tells you a lot right there, which also coincides with the Packers being one of the better screen teams in the NFL. The 49ers are going to really have to do their film, their study on that. Yeah. That could really hurt. You know, that you get 20-yard bunches and screens that work out really well. So they got to be mindful of that. Be careful. Uh, the Packers do have decent offensive linemen when you talk about guys like Balaga. And Bakhtiari and guys like that. But again, I, I think we should, uh, you know, still overpower them. Another stat that jumped out at me the Niners are in the NFL. They're in offensive yards, 380 yards a game. That's fourth in the NFL. The Packers are 18th in the league defensively, allowing uh, way over that yards per game. So there's a big difference right there. 49ers are fourth in the league in scoring, Packers are 18th in defense against the total yards. That says a lot right there to me, Jacob, already. Yeah, definitely. I think, look, this, this Niners team has really been able to to rack up yards, rack up points against against a lot of people. Uh, and the Packers, yeah, the, the defense is, it's shaky. I think with, as we were saying with the pass rush, it kind of feels more like, a, like a, they t- they're going to have to take more risks. They're going to have to say, right, get after the quarterback and if we get hit over the top, we get hit over the top. And that's exactly what happened in week 12 when the Niners played George Kittle, found himself wide open a number of times. Just going back to the screen point, 
I think that's, to be fair, been a, de- uh, a weakness of this 49ers team. They, especially, I think, up front, they they are always very excited to get up after the quarterback and they don't always diagnose the screen so well off that. But also, we're a zone coverage team a lot of the time. And so that that means you haven't got that person who's just got their eyes on the running back and therefore can diagnose that screen quickly. If they're playing a lot of man coverage, then that middle backer, he's just looking at the running back. He should be able to diagnose that as soon as it's like, you know, as soon as it's starting to go on. And so what I could see the Packers doing is try to run that a little bit, quite a lot early, so that then once we start to play that man to counteract it, that's when you're getting your Devontae Adams, you know, one-on-one in man coverage, either against Mosley or against Sherman. Even on Sherman, I think in man-to-man coverage, Adams probably has a slight advantage. And so oh, yeah. that's one certainly to, to look out for. Uh, and yeah, it's hard to tell the, the, the defensive line up front not to get so aggressive on their rush because that's how they get to the quarterback. Right. But they need to have that kind of play recognition, especially the younger guys like Bosa, where if they're getting straight through straight away, they need to realize, right, so <laughs> there's a reason I just got straight exactly. through here. It's probably a screen exactly. and not get, and not go, you know, oh, I got through because I'm the best player ever and I'm about to get a sack and then it goes over you. And, and most defensive linemen don't do that. You know, they usually do get fooled. But yeah, you got to wonder, oh, I got here so quick. Let me take a quick look back. You know, I totally understand that point. It makes a lot of sense. Going convert, and by the way, Sherman is not the player he used to be. He's still very good, and we're happy to have him, you know, on our team. But yeah, Devontae Adams, I agree with you, definitely has the edge on Sherman. But if we're going to want anybody on Devontae Adams, it's him. Going conversely, the other way, the Packers, they're 18th in the NFL in offensive yards a game, where the 49ers are second in defensive yards a game. That's another big gap right there. That's another stat that tells you that the 49ers should be dominating this game on both sides of the ball. And it continues on, Jacob. The Packers rushing offense, 15th in the league, not too bad. The 49ers rushing defense, fantastic. Only 112 yards on the ground per game. The Packers rushing defense is 23rd in the league, where we have the number one or number two rushing uh, offense. There are so many of these stats that go into our favor. But it's not just the stats, Jacob. It's also what we see on the field and what we saw in week 12. Yeah, and I believe I think some of those stats are somewhat skewed by by game flow, really, because sure. if you watch the Niners, barring last week where I thought they did an, a great job against the run, but I think their weakness really has been against the run. However, the Niners have been ahead in so many games; teams just aren't aren't running the ball. So, in that sense, they're chasing the game, and it becomes. It becomes a thing where, yeah, the yardage totals might not be very high, and but that's probably down to number of rushes as opposed to the yards per attempt. If you look at the 49ers' opponent yards per rush attempt, we're actually kind of middle of the pack. I think we're 21st in the league. But what we've been able to do is get ahead early and force teams away from doing what we're not so good at. Whereas you look at how we do it in terms of yards per pass attempt, then suddenly we rank a lot higher and that, you know, we're best in the league at that 5.2 yards per pass attempt puts us right in number one. So we're so set up to be in the lead because our rushing attack is our strength 
and our passing defense is our strength. This is not a team you want to get ahead of you, just like Tennessee aren't. But I think Niners probably even more because we can also defend the pass so well. That That's the thing. They defend everything so well, and that's why they're top two or three in just about every single category. Uh, maybe not the rushing game, but... You know, we saw again last week they were able to make big plays and take out Dalvin Cook. Now Aaron Jones, a different type of runner. We got again, they're gonna they're definitely gonna go screen passes, there's no doubt about it. They're gonna do draws up the middle. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. So I expect him to do those type of things. But then again, he's also not the player that he used to be, and he certainly does not have all the weapons. He's really got two guys that he can rely on for the most part. And I thought that Lazard was going to step up and maybe be that second wide receiver after we saw him in that, I believe that Monday night game. But again, he, he right now he's hurt a little bit. So we're taking him out of the picture. They just don't have a lot to work with on offense. Whereas the 49ers do when you go through it again, we've talked about all these guys and how Garoppolo is playing so confident right now. Kittle, is in for a monster game. He can have 12, 13 catches, 130 yards in this game. He can do phenomenal. I think Debo Samuel is going to be great. I think that the 49ers are going to mix in their fresh legs and run. Who knows? It could be Coleman this week. It could be Brita. It could be Mostert. We have no idea. Any one of them can go, and they're all fresh and ready. And not just that, but the entire team is fresh and ready, including defense which is the part that was hurting us. We talked last week about D Ford and his impact. Quan Alexander, Jaworski Tart. We've got them all back. We're all healthy. We're at home. Everything goes in our favor. Is this one of those fluke type of things where the Packers just magically, you know, win this game? No, I really don't think so because I think, again, the Niners are so well coached and ready for this, and they smell it. And, I again, I'm not a superstitious guy, so – Unless, I mean, listen, I wear the same 49er clothes every Sunday. But other than that, I'm not a superstitious guy. So I am going with the 49ers so heavy in this game. I'm not going to say it's going to be a complete blowout. But every stat I see and everything I've seen on the field, the 49ers should dominate this game. All they have to do is make sure that Devontae Adams is not beating them every play and we're good to go. Yeah, and I, I think similar to last week, third down is key. I mean, third down's key in every game, don't get me wrong. But the last time these two teams played, that was the Packers' worst third down conversion rate, and it's, it's been all season. True. They sit about nineteenth in the league, so they're no then you know, they're not particularly great at it. As we talked last week about it in the lead to the Vikings game, the Niners are the second best team in the league on defense at third down conversions. And the big reason that the Packers played so well last week was it was their best performance all season in third down conversion. And so as a team that last week we talked about the Vikings, they like to run the ball 70% of the time on the early downs at first down. The Packers, you know, they're a little bit more balanced. Do I expect them to run the ball more because they're playing us? I would assume so. And so third down then I think becomes really, really important. I think both teams are very good in their time of possession. The Niners sit in fourth, the Packers sixth. So you don't particularly want to be behind to either of these teams because they can control the clock. They do both have great running backs, as we spoke about. Who knows who will get the carries, whether it's Breeder, whether it's Coleman, whether it's Mostert. One thing I do like is, as you said, 
fresh legs. No one ever needs to be taken a hand off tired in this team because there's enough guys that are all that good that means they can just keep going. They can, you know, they can change it up. And so I think there's plenty of plenty of ways in which the Niners are, are superior to the Packers. Don't get me wrong. I, I really do think that. Uh, and let's not forget in that week 12 matchup, we had no Joe Staley. We had no Quan Alexander. We had no D Ford. We had, uh, there was somebody else we were missing as well. The Packers were coming off a bye week. That was that was supposed to be them at their most prepared. And I was hearing stuff about Lafleur maybe ringing up Sean McVeigh about how he was able to turn their offense around against us. Because if you remember the first game against the Rams, Goff had like seventy yards passing. The second game it was three hundred and fifty plus, I think. And so the Rogers first game against Niners was about a hundred yards passing. They want that same revitalization of their passing game against the Niners. And so I expect them to move the pocket a lot. That was what the Rams did to revitalize that passing attack against the Niners. There was a lot of rollouts, a lot of good throws on the run from Jared Goff, fair play to him. And so I expect them to try and do that a lot. There's going to be a lot of rollout, a lot of screen, all that kind of stuff to keep the Niners D-line on its toes and kind of neutralize it at its best point. So... What will be really important will be how we can adjust to that because I don't think we adjusted very well in that Rams game to it. I'm not even sure we really did adjust to it and it killed us all game. So I expect this time, with it being a full week leading up to that adjustment rather than seeing it mid-game, we should hopefully have something to counteract that. Yeah, I mean, look, they're going to have to take a few plays out of the 49ers playbook. Again, you know how I talk about it all the time, how I love the pre-snap, what they do, again, with uh, with all the motion and everything. I love it. You don't know where these guys are going to go. You don't know what's going to come, whether it's an end around, a draw, and, you know, and whatever it may be. So they do so many great things. The Packers also need to do that. They get so vanilla sometimes uh, that, you know, it, it can become predictable. And we know who the stars are on that team. So the 49ers are going to be able to match up well. There's one matchup that I'm interested in, and you had uh, alluded to it a little bit before, about Aaron Jones and what he can do out of the backfield and watching on screens and things like that. Do you do you, do you put Fred Warner on him as a spy even? I know it sounds almost ridiculous to even say, but that's a big matchup. You middle linebacker up against their great running back. Fred Warner's going to have to keep his eyes on him because he's one of the few guys that can keep up and tackle him. So I feel like that's going to be a really interesting battle inside the game itself. Absolutely, yeah. I think on on passing downs, I certainly want Quan Alexander on the field. I know last week they took him out on passing downs, but that was really uh, a kind of a, a load management kind of thing. It was his first game back. I'd like to see him on the field more for the passing downs. And if we're on a two-linebacker set, I'd certainly like to see Fred Warner on Aaron Jones and Quan Alexander on Jimmy Graham. Uh, but if, yeah, if we, I mean, if we're in zone and we want to take somebody out to just be in man on Jones, then I'd certainly have it as Fred Warner because what you're doing then is you're asking more of Kawan Williams and Quan Alexander because suddenly their zones have become bigger because you're taking one out just to just to watch the running back. And I think that those two are the most accomplished in their coverage. And so in a sense, you kind of want the least good cover guy actually on Aaron Jones, because 
just man covering him. Not that it's an easy job, but it's a simple job in terms of what he needs to do, as opposed to covering that now wider zone, having taken somebody out. So I would certainly have Fred Warner on him there, but it's not something I'd be doing every play. I wouldn't be taking somebody out of out of the zone coverage on every sure. play. It's certainly something I'd be doing on kind of key plays. If we can kind of key when they want to do that, then that'd be very, that'd be ideal to kind of almost preempt it. But I think at the same time, you know, I'd be quite happy if all they could do to move the ball is is the is a check down to Aaron Jones. I think if we're ahead and that's their only way of kind of closing that gap is short play runs. The thing that I think the Niners have done really, really well this season, which they didn't do well last season, is they're a short tackling team. I don't think they miss a lot of tackles. And so playing that zone coverage you're kind of backing your team then to rally to the ball and make a good tackle. And I think they do that well enough that you don't have to be too worried about these short throws. Yeah, you know the thing they do really well is that they're the best in the league at plays under 20 yards, you know, holding teams that to plays that, that, excuse me, that are more than 20 yards. They're the best in the league at that. They just do a lot of stuff that is great. And their defense is so unique in a way where we have four pass rushers, as we know, that can get to the quarterback every single play, and you would think that you would play more man defense in a scheme like that, knowing that the ball is going to have to come out quicker. But the 49ers are so unique that they're able to do zone on one side and maybe leave Sherman on his own on the other side. They're able to mix it up so well, and each player knows exactly what he is supposed to do. So I really, really love how, again, with the zone defense, and it can help on screens because everybody is – watching the quarterback or watching where the ball is. Nobody's back is turned. So that can help us, you know, locate where the screen is going and call it out. And we're going to be on our field. So hopefully our players can hear us. But communication is also key. And I got to ask you one other thing that just hit my mind. You know, we talked about how Emmanuel Sanders changed the team when he came over to a passing team, not just a running team, but balanced. And Garoppolo started to flourish. I haven't seen Emmanuel Sanders for a while. I'm not sure what's up. Look, I know Kittle and Debo are the main targets getting the ball. And yes, we do run the ball a lot. Garoppolo only threw the ball 19 times last week. But even going back a few more weeks or even a month, Emmanuel Sanders has not done much. He's come up with his clutch catches, yes, but he's not getting those big games like he was when he came over in week eight or nine, whatever it was. He's not, I I don't know if it's a case of him not getting open from teams keying on him, because it's certainly not a case of him, you know, not catching the ball. You know, he had his two targets last week. He caught them both. The week before he had four targets and caught three of them. So he's had, you know, some some kind of key catches for sure. And he's certainly been a a third down monster, really, for me. For sure. Um, So... Yeah, it could be a case of defenses are starting to key on him. And I think the more that we run the kind of tricky stuff with Debo, his end arounds, that kind of stuff, it'll open that back up more for him. Uh, but it's one of those things where as long as somebody's getting the, the, the catches and the yards, it doesn't bother me too much if that's Debo, if that's Kittle, or if that's because we're ahead and we're just running the ball. You know, I'd much rather be in that position than... These games he had where he, they, he had big games, you look at them, The you know, his highest stat line, that's the New Orleans game. That's because we had to throw loads of loads in right. that game. The other one, the Arizona game, that's because we had to throw a lot in that game because they shut down the run. 
The other one was the Rams game. These are all games where he's having big games because we're having to throw a lot. And I suppose I'd much rather be in a game where we don't need to throw him the ball to win because we're sitting comfortably ahead. And so I don't know if it's really a case of him not contributing and maybe more of a case of the the game flow. And if we're not going to throw that much, then no one's going to have huge numbers, right? When Jimmy only has 160 yards or whatever, we can't be expecting really Emmanuel Sanders to have 100 plus, if you know yeah, what I mean. Absolutely. I know what you mean. And one thing that uh, uh, our 49ers better here right now, and they've been, they've been doing a good job putting the ball in the end zone. Field goals are not going to do it because Aaron Rodgers does have the magic. You know, given the lack of weapons, that's fine. But field goals are not going to do it in this game. Got to put it in the end zone. I believe the 49ers will do that. They'll use their quote-unquote trick plays again, whatever you want to call it. But again, all that motion, confusing the defense. Blake Martinez, hopefully his head is going to be spinning, trying to find George Kittle. I'm really, really looking forward to this game. I cannot wait. I'm glad that it's the last game. Sit back and watch the AFC Championship game which we're about to get to. We're going to get into our predictions later. But before we wrap up this game, is anything else on your mind that you wanted to get to regarding any key matchups or should we just hit up on it later? We'll make our picks. The last one for me, really, I just, I, I, I'm expecting the big game from Kittle, as we just mentioned, really. Yeah. The last game he played, you know, that was his first game back from his injury. He still had his broken bone in his foot. He goes off for six catches from six targets. He didn't drop a ball, 129 yards and a touchdown. That's right. That was a big game for him. And it's one of those where if they start to have to key on him, maybe then we see a bit more of the other receivers, if you know what I'm saying. So Mm -hmm. I expect Kittle to be really important early on, and I'd be looking for him early to try and get them to try and panic and get to that plan B of how they stop George Kittle. But other than that, it's just one of these games where I think we're better. I'm, I don't know if I'm just not used to the Niners being this favorite, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, especially not this big of a favorite in an NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. You told me preseason we'd be playing the Packers in the NFC Championship. I'd have probably said the Packers would be minus seven and a half, not the yeah. Niners, right? Yeah. And I also would have thought that you were lying to me too because this is not something <laughs> yeah. I saw at all. That's for sure. I really do. Absolutely. Uh, you guys listen to the 49ers Brawl podcast, again, presented by at NFL Brawl, the network Brawl, Brawl Network. We're rocking and rolling over here. Everybody's doing a great job, loving it. The show is going great. We got a, every team covered, so go check it out at the Brawl Network. We got you guys covered. And, uh, yeah, give us a follow on Twitter, at 49ers Brawl. Interact with us. We'd be happy to answer your questions and debate with you guys. All in good fun. We love it. And we're going to keep debating a little bit. We're going to get into the AFC Championship game in a little bit. We're going to rank our players by position. Okay, so all four teams who really we have the most confidence in. And we have a little over-under fun coming up for you guys a little bit later. But getting into the the Titans and Chiefs uh, breakdown. Look, we know they played earlier this year. And Kansas City did not win that game. It was a 35-32 comeback win by the Tennessee Titans in week 10. Very impressive. And during that stretch, they won seven out of their last eight games, while Derrick Henry basically averaged about 150 yards a game. He's been an, a beast. In, in those eight games, I think he was under 100 yards once, and I think he had like 98 yards or something like that. So 
basically over 100 yards every game. We know what he can do. There's a lot to go over in this matchup. Look, the Titans, excellent running team. Derrick Henry, rushing champion. He's been carrying that team. But, Jacob, you know it's going to take a lot more than just him to win this game. Absolutely. This this is a huge one. Like you say, the Titans beat them last time. Okay, that game was in Nashville, but I was at that game. That stadium was about 70 to 80% Chiefs fans. That really? was at their lowest point. That t- yeah, wow, I'm, I'm serious. No I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to post the videos after this podcast from the and, and, and tag you in this, but there was Chiefs fans everywhere. Wow. It was at their – the Titans, you know, they weren't in a good spot at that point. I believe it was just after Tannehill had come in and they kind of got revived. But, it, you know, they weren't they weren't there. And it's oh, and now on. they're Nashville. starting to pull up. Nashville, represent. Come on, get out there. Support your Titans, bro. You guys got the <laughs> Music City Miracle and stuff. Come on, man. Let's go. But what I will say is that gives me that little bit of confidence that they're not going to be that phased going into Arrowhead because it's going to be – you know, just 20% more Chiefs fans than it was when they played in Nashville. And so does that maybe give them that confidence to go, do you know what? Yeah, okay, we we were at home last time, this time we're on the road, but it, it was a sea of red in that stadium. And so that's got to give them a little bit of confidence. It was a good back and forth game. You know, the Titans, Derek Henry, he bust off for a huge run at one point. I think one of the, his touchdown was like 70-yard touchdown. right. right. He, he, you know, he was up near 200 yards in that game, as as has been kind of the way ever since that game. And so it really, it's how I look at the Niners-Packers game where I say, like, right, if the Niners are ahead, it really favors them in the matchup because they have that good pass defense against the, the Packers who are, you know, are lacking in receivers. This is one where if the Titans go ahead... The matchup on one end is really good for them. They run the ball really well, and the Chiefs' run D has been not so good. Not too sure if Chris Jones is going to play. He is huge for that run defense. He was questionable last week, didn't end up playing. From what I hear, it's the kind of injury that the Chiefs' staff, they're not sure if he can make it worse by playing. And if it stays that way, he won't play because they don't want to risk it getting worse and possibly knocking him out next season or further so hopefully he is playing but on the other end of that matchup there's no team I would rather be on when they're behind than the Kansas City Chiefs we only have to look at last week to see how quickly they can score how explosive that offense is Mahomes can turn that game around in no time even in that game where they did lose he threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns and so it's a game where I'd love to see the Titans go ahead because you would just have the Titans try to run out the clock, but the Chiefs being the best team in the league at being able to overturn that deficit. And so that would be the most fun matchup to me would be seeing Tennessee get ahead early, maybe 10 points and just watching this thing unfold. Yeah, that would be fantastic. But I'll tell you what, the NFL, they don't want the Titans in the Super Bowl. They don't. They want Patrick Mahomes in there. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to pay off the refs or whisper in their ear, whatever it's going to be. But I know that they want Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But 
the game is played on the field, then hopefully we're not going to have any weird moments out there, no uh, weird referee stuff. But the Titans can definitely put up a fight. And you mentioned something real quick about the Chiefs' run defense. They're ranked 26th in the league, allowing 128 yards a game. Derrick Henry can do that in his sleep. So that's a big, big deal. Now, what are you going to do if you're the Chiefs? Are you going to load eight in the box every time? And then you're going to have who on the outside? A.J. Brown can beat you. Maybe Sharp can beat you. They got a couple of guys who could play ball. And then all of a sudden, you're taking a 10-yard slant to the house. So you can't load up the box every time like that. But you got to have a balance. And you got and, and, and the other thing is also, look, if they are going to load the box, and if they're going to go play action, maybe the seven in the box, they've been the best play action team in the league for a couple of months now. So the Titans got the formula to beat the Chiefs. They do. But the thing that you said, the Chiefs can score in 30 seconds. Pat Mahomes to Tyreek Hill for a bomb. There you go. Seven points up on the scoreboard. So that's what they can do. But the Titans, on the other hand, can just bludgeon them to death and run and run and run. So the obvious answer for the Chiefs is how they're going to stop Derrick Henry, how they're going to stop this run game, and make sure that Tannehill has to pass, even though he is a good passer. And again, they got guys on the outside who can play a little bit. That's what they need to do. So this is going to be tough. And from the get-go, if the Chiefs get a nice 14-17-0 lead to start out, I don't think the Titans are going to abandon their run game completely, but that gives the Chiefs a tremendous lead, taking Derrick Henry out of the game more and focusing on Tannehill. Absolutely. I mean, like you say, you don't want to just throw eight in the box every play, but if you do want to try and stop this team, man, make them throw on you. You know, stop Derrick Henry and make them throw. Because there's just, we've not seen anybody stop Derrick Henry for however long right now. And so you don't need to panic if they can take that slant to the house and they they break off that big play because there's no team better in the league in matching them for explosive plays than the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyreek Hill is a huge one to watch from their last matchup. The guy had 19 targets in their last matchup in that week 10 game. 11 catches, 157 yards. Travis Kelsey is another one. He went seven for seven on 75 yards and a touchdown. And let nobody can forget what he did last week, just in that second quarter. You know, the guys had a guy had a hat trick, three touchdowns by halftime. And so they, they were worried about his hamstring. It sounds like he is all good to go. And so right now, it's, it is a worry on how they're going to stop the Chiefs' offense because they didn't do it last time. All right, they won the game, but they did not stop them on offense at no. all. Patrick Mahomes, 33 completions from 50 attempts, 446 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions. No interceptions, and he rarely throws them. Patrick Mahomes is absolutely fantastic, probably the best quarterback in the league right now, maybe not even probably, probably he's the best quarterback in the league right now. And, yeah, we talked about the Chiefs rushing defense. Now, a a couple of categories to go over really quickly where the Chiefs and the Titans are not far away. The Chiefs, we talked about their offense. They're number two in the league in total offense per game. The Titans are 10th in the league in defensive yards allowed a game. So not too far off. Titans also, um, they, I believe, I, I believe they're 10th. Yes, I'm sorry. They're 10th in the league 
in yards per game on offense, and the Chiefs are 12th in the league in defense. So again, there's really not a big gap right there. The Chiefs passing, we we know. They're fantastic. Maybe the best passing team in the league. That's where the Titans may have their problem. They are not a great team in the secondary, and there are weapons all over the place. They're the 24th-ranked passing defense. They allow, on average, over 260 yards a game. So you counter that with what Patrick Mahomes could do with who you already talked about, Tyree Kill. All right, Travis Kelsey. You got Hardman. You got Watkins. You got Robinson. You got Damian Williams. How are you going to stop all these guys in the passing game alone? That's where this game is one for the Chiefs. If they can manage to do that, score quickly, get the Titans panicking, that's the way that they're going to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 exactly it. And again, we look at third downs like I did la- like we did on the last game <laughs> in that Chiefs game in that Titans game in week ten where they won. They only went two for eight on third down, so they really broke a lot of their big plays on early downs. They weren't particularly clutch when they needed to be. They kind of took their chances exactly when they needed to, and that was kind of a similar theme in the Ravens game. You look at the Khalif Raymond touchdown, that's a first down play just after they've stopped him on fourth down. That's kind of as well called as it can as it can be. That's gone as well for you as it can. And so I do wonder, do some of these kind of huge highlight plays that have happened, let's not forget they had a fumble recovery touchdown in that game as well against the Chiefs, right. a, a long 50-yarder. And so... It only takes one of these plays to not go their way. I think everything has pretty much gone their way they needed it to in the two games they've played so far in the playoffs. Uh, and the Chiefs will be able to take advantage if, if that doesn't happen in this in this one. Uh, I, I like the Titans, and I would love to play them in the Super Bowl. I'd love that Niners-Titans Super Bowl. But unfortunately, I think this is where the fairy tale kind of ends. I think yeah. this is... This is one step too far. And I know everyone said that last time. And so people said that the time before. So it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they were to get ahead and just be able to do what they did in the last two games. But what I don't see is them going behind and being able to chase the game. And unfortunately, I think the Chiefs are too good from behind and the Titans aren't good enough from behind that I I, I certainly think it, it will be the Chiefs and Suddenly, we have a new team in the list of teams that scare me, uh, and that's Kansas yes, City. Yes, they, they're very scary, and a lot of people said that they were the best team in the AFC going into the playoffs, and my hand raised. I was one of them. I thought that they were more complete than Baltimore, maybe even a little bit more experienced, if you want to go that way with the head coaching, even though John Harbaugh has been there plenty of times. But, um, yeah, I like the Chiefs going in. I thought they probably would represent the AFC, and I still do. I'm with you on that one. The thing that they have to do that they didn't do last time, they got to be careful with the ball. They got to not have these weird fumbles. You know, I don't want balls slipping out of hands. As long as the Chiefs remain mistake-free and maybe have one turnover tops, there's no way that the Titans are winning this game. Look, we all know how it's going to go. The key to victory for the Titans is keep Mahomes off the field, keep that offense off the field, and run Derrick Henry as much as you possibly can. But again, Ryan Tannehill, he's going to be asked to throw the ball throughout the game, play action passes, those quick slants where you have zero coverage. He's got to be precise and show the Chiefs that he can 
throw the ball. So they can't load the box on Henry. All right, so Tannehill's got to make plays. Casey thinks there's a real passing threat. If they do, they're going to drop the guys back. Derrick Henry's got more room. All you got to do is show them early that Tennessee, the Titans, they can throw the ball so they can try to get, again, the Chiefs' defense off balance. And as for the Chiefs, they score quickly. They get out to a favorable lead in the game. Right there and then the game is over. I believe that because, like you said, the Titans are not built to come back from these type of deficits. They're not that type of passing team. Even though they can get the job done, you're not going to get it done against probably the best offense in the league. So the Chiefs can score touchdowns left, right, Hill, Kelsey, Williams, Watkins, and then some. We talked about all of them. My prediction is Chiefs 31, Titans 23 on a late touchdown it really would be 31-16, but the Titans will get a late touchdown to make the score a little bit better. I've got a nice stat for you that someone brought to my attention the other day, actually on a different podcast. The Titans' last field goal that they scored was in week 13 wow. against the Colts. Wow. You know what? Can I say been... something on that? God bless them because I freaking hate field goals, so good for them. Yeah. They have been staying on the field on fourth. If it's fourth and short, Hell, they got De- Derrick Henry. If it's kind of a long, long field goal, they got one of the best punters in the league and they've been pinning teams. They haven't even attempted a field goal since week 15. Crazy. They had, they've had kicker troubles. They're down to now a third kicker. They signed kicker Greg Joseph in week 16. He hasn't had to kick a ball yet. <laughs> he is living the dream. He has not had to kick a meaningful field goal. He's kicked extra points, some kickoffs, easy money. Easy yeah. money. And so one thing I do think from the Titans is look for them to be aggressive. Look for them to stay out on the field on fourth down. And what I want to know is if they know that, how it affects their play calling on third down, how it affects their play calling on second down. It gives you that extra down, especially when you are a run-heavy team, because you don't need to worry about a run getting stuffed for two yards on second down if you know you've got two more downs to go. And so they certainly are going to be more aggressive. And let's see if that's something they can use to their advantage against the Chiefs. I would love it if they could go even longer without a field goal. But that was just a stat that just seemed crazy. Yeah, to no, me. That, that Since is week crazy. thirteen. Yeah, that's that's really crazy. That's what six weeks in a row, basically, if you count the playoffs. That's a little insane. Pretty amazing. Wow. <laughs> what I want to ask you one more question uh, before we wrap this game up. We both like the Kansas City Chiefs again. You guys listen to the 49ers Brawl podcast by the Brawl Network. Catch us at NFL Brawl on Twitter. Also like our Facebook page, 49ers Brawl Podcast. We are very interactive, Jacob and I. We love talking football with you guys, and we'll certainly answer your questions, get you on the show, all that sort of good stuff. But last question on this one real quick, and you were just talking about it a little bit. Do you think the Titans should blitz somewhere around 40%? I know that's a lot. 40, even 50% of the time in order just to try to knock the passing game off. My worry is is that is their defensive backs because when you blitz Patrick Mahomes, the play's still not always over in like two to three seconds. True. He can extend that play. And with speedsters like Tyreek, Mecole, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, we can get open quickly. 
and they can get deep quickly. And so you certainly want to bring the pressure. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, they brought the pressure a fair bit last time. They only managed to bring him down twice. They managed to get two sacks on him. And they didn't really hit him much more than that either. They got four total QB hits. And so I think you certainly have to try and come after him. However, a lot of the big chunk plays they gave up in that game were on blitz plays right. where the play looked over. Mahomes somehow gets it on, gets it off to this crossing route and it goes and it just goes because there's no one then to rally to the runner because everybody's in the backfield, right? And or covering their guys. So you certainly run the risk that if you can't get to him, it's going to be a chunk play. It's going to be, you know, boom or bust. Yeah, you make a lot of and unfortunately, unfortunately for me, I think it's going to be boom a lot more than it's going to be bust. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. But look, he's not the reigning MVP for no reason, right? The guy is magic. He's one of the best out there, if not the best, no doubt about it. And speaking of him and his quarterback brethren, we're going to go over the rankings of players in individual positions. We're going to hit quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, and even head coaches. So this is basically our confidence picks in the players that are playing in these last two games, the four teams that we have left, getting ready to go to the Super Bowl right here where I live in Miami. I will be sneaking into the game, and I will get in. There's no problem about it. So I'll see you in there, Jacob. But first, let's do the quarterbacks here. Look, we got Patrick Mahomes. We just spoke about him at length and how great he is. He is the second coming of Aaron Rodgers, who is also playing this weekend. He is playing against Jimmy Garoppolo, who has really brought his game way up. Is he the best quarterback in the league? No, but certainly improved. And also improved is Ryan Tannehill, who playing with the Dolphins was still a good player, but had nobody around him. Well, look what happens all of a sudden when you give him a running game and a little time to throw. The kid can play. So... Let's rank these guys in order, in confidence. And again, it's against not just not just the best player, but who they're playing as well and the defense. So that factors into it. So right away, number one, we talked about the Titans passing defense. Terrible. And the Chiefs passing offense is fantastic. So right off the bat, my first confidence pick is Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to match you on that. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody, and I don't think anybody could really argue with that. I think he's the best quarterback in the league. And so, really, unless he's playing some elite defense, then he's going to be number one every week. You see that in his numbers. It doesn't really matter who he plays. They, they, they're up there. And so, yeah, this is kind of an easy one, really. I don't even think it needs much explaining for me. Yeah. He, he's the best QB playing against... Uh, a mediocre to poor passing defense, and so how, how? Yeah, I don't know how you can't, how you wouldn't have nope. him number one. You know, pretty much that's it. I should have just made it a flat statement. We both say Patrick Lamar. That's <laughs> what it should have been. My number two is a little interesting. It's actually Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm not saying he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying that his matchup against the Green Bay defense, which I do like, but they're not great. The 49ers defense is great, and they destroyed Aaron Rodgers in the first game. What do you throw for 104 yards we talked about? He just got destroyed, and I think that's what's going to happen. He's going to be under heavy pressure. 
He's not going to be able to put up big numbers. I really don't believe that. The 49ers are set, ready to go. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a much easier time because he does have more weapons, and he's got a better play caller. So I think that he's the second-ranked quarterback, again, accounting the defense they're playing going into this weekend. I I agree. That's the same for me. Look, if this was just who are the top, you know, ranking the quarterbacks just off their ability, sure, Aaron Rodgers is number two. But you throw in the Niners' defense against Aaron Rodgers, and that's enough to bring Aaron Rodgers down, as we saw in Week 12. And you throw in Jimmy G against the Packers' defense, I would much rather have Jimmy G against the Packers' defense than I would Aaron Rodgers against the Niners' defense. That is just for sure. We saw in Week 12 how that went. And, you know, I've seen a few people try and throw that game out there. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan for one, to be fair. But I know that's just he's trying to get rid of complacency within the team. Right. That's what good coaches do. What good analysts don't do is just discount a game because it was five weeks ago. And so I would certainly prefer to have Jimmy G against the Packers defense. I do expect Aaron Rodgers to improve against the Niners defense than how he was last time. I think he will certainly throw for more than 104 yards or whatever it was, but I would still rather be playing against the Packers defense. And that's what swings it for me in the way of Jimmy G at number two. So we're going to agree there one, two. We're probably going to agree on three, I think. And it is Aaron Rodgers because he is Aaron Rodgers and he's got Devontae Adams and he can do some stuff with the screen pass. And again, he is a magician back there still. The guy makes great plays. He could throw the ball 70 yards on a rope. Still, Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. So, yes, the 49ers defense is excellent, no doubt about it. They can be thrown on a little bit. There are some weak spots, no doubt about it. And if there are, Aaron Rodgers will find the hole. So I'll go with him, number three. Yeah, again, I, I agree with you. Nice and easy. I think the, the thing that swings it for me is if you were to swap – Tannehill, if he was to swap Tannehill in for Rodgers, would he do better against the Niners' defense? And no, I don't think he would. And so I think I would still rather have Rodgers. It's the same as if we were to swap the the two matchups for the for Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers, I'd still rather have Aaron Rodgers. So I think for for Tannehill, I think he's got an easier matchup for me, and he will almost certainly have to start throwing the way the game's going to go. But I, as I said, expect Aaron Rodgers to have a much better game. I expect them to utilize the sort of things that the Rams utilized against the Niners. And so I do expect their passing attack to be better. And I think Ryan Tannehill's been good, but it's just, I just can't bring myself to put Aaron Rodgers as the fourth best out of these Yeah, four. I'm with you. You know, look, and you know, based on what we're saying, Ryan Tannehill will probably go throw out like 430 yards and four touchdowns and demolish the Chiefs based on what we're saying. He's listening. He <laughs> listens to the show. I know. I know. I'll get a text from you later, Ryan. All right. Stay cool, bro. All right. Listen, we're going to go to the running backs now. And I don't think there'll be any surprise going with the league's leading rusher. I'm not going to elaborate anymore. Derrick Henry against a weak Chiefs defensive rushing team. Yeah, Derrick Henry all the way, number one. Yeah, just like Patrick Mahomes, it's an easy one. You've got the best running back there. Uh, I don't I don't know if I'd say the best running back in the league. I think he's definitely top three. Um, but you've got the best running back certainly left in the playoffs. 
against what is probably the worst run defense left in the playoffs, especially if Chris Jones isn't playing. So like Mahomes, doesn't need too much explanation. I'm all in Derek Henry. Yeah, man. And, you know, and Chris, listen, people don't know Chris Jones. He's If he's there, that changes a whole lot of things. You know, not that he'll stop Derek Henry on, on his own, but he'll make a big difference there in the middle by slowing stuff down. So I agree. Two, I struggled with because the 49ers, yeah, we don't have one running back. We have three, you know, your Mostert, Breeder, uh, Breeder, Coleman, however you want to do it. So, you know, there'll be a combination I was going to put him at two, Jacob, but I still went with Aaron Jones at two because he's such a huge part of the Packers offense. If he's not having a good day, they're probably not going to win the game. So he's so important to that team running the ball, getting screens, catching the ball out of the backfield. We've seen him catch uh, touchdown passes in the end zone uh, 30 yards down the field. So he can do it all. And he's, again, besides Devontae Adams, he's the only other playmaker besides Rodgers, of course, on that team, on that offense. So I think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones would be my number two going into the, going into this weekend. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at individual players and not player groupings. And so Aaron Rodgers is certainly better than any running back the Niners have individually. I think he's developed this season into uh, an incredible pass catcher which we didn't see too much of last year. And so that's a really good development on his side. And it's certainly something that will help Aaron Rodgers. To, you know, the best thing you want is either a safety blanket tight end or a great check down running back. And as I talked about, the Niners defense, it might be good in run, rush yards per game, but in terms of yards per attempt, we're not great. We limit people because we're ahead and they have to throw the ball. And so... If the Packers end up in a situation where they are ahead, I would very much prefer to have Aaron Jones. They do good in time of possession. They are good at running the ball. And he could have a big day if the Packers find themselves ahead early. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, there's a three and four. I, I kept going back and forth with, because again, we talked about Mostert and Breida. If you want to throw Coleman in there, of course. Damian Williams is the main running back for the Chiefs when he is healthy, and that's been on and off. But when he is healthy, he really is fantastic. But still, I think Raheem Mostert is more important because the 49ers' bread and butter is their running game and working off of that play action. So I believe that Mostert will get the bulk of the carries this week, even though Coleman did last week and did a great job with it. I think Mostert will be the guy with his speed, with his strength. So I think that he would be the third best going into this matchup against Green Bay's defense. Again, who is good, but Mostert can definitely run on them. And once he gets to the second level, they're not going to catch him. Yeah, that's interesting. See, I I think I had Damian Williams, you know, number three. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, it's a tough one. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Mostert is has been very good, and he's been really good this season. But I believe Damian Williams is slightly more versatile than Raheem Mostert. I think he's a better pass catcher. And I just think if you had the opportunity, would you swap out Damian? Would you swap out Mostert for Damian Williams? I think you probably would. You know what, man? I don't know. I I hear what you're saying because Damian Williams fits that Chiefs offense so well, and he does a great job in it. 
But if you put him on the 49ers, he's going to be asked to run between the tackles more. And that's not his bread and butter. That's what Mostert does. So I, I think I understand where you're going with that. And again, Damian Williams is fantastic, but he's one of like five or six stars on that offense. I feel like Mostert means more to the 49ers in this game. Yeah, I, I suppose I, I get that. And I suppose... We lean on them more, right? Because we're a running team more. The Chiefs are a passing team more. So I can understand our reliance on him more. But I think if you were to stick Damian Williams on the Niners, he would have more success than he is having at the moment. Okay. Uh, and, and especially because you have other people on the Niners that can that could do between the tackles. Yeah, it's a tough one, but I'm a lean Damian Williams and most it's going to be my number four but it's a close one it really is and I think between you know most if Coleman plays the way he played last week then he's he's up there but I, I would like to see that more consistently before we before we give him the ball 20 times again I'd like to hopefully we get you know the first five six carries we see that again this week and then I'm happy ride the hot hand as you did last week just keep giving it to the person who's getting you five six yards a carry but I would, I, I I would agree that I'd like to see most of getting the majority of the carries. Yeah, well, we will see coming up soon. Uh, you know, in about forty eight hours or so, if my math is off, I don't know where it is right now, but yeah, close to around that time. So uh, again, I don't blame you on that one. Uh, Damian Williams is certainly a chameleon for the Chiefs. He does everything. Great player. Moving on to the wide receivers. This one's a little tough, okay? Uh, we got a lot of good ones out over here. A lot of players who can do a lot of really great things. Um, again, based off matchup, it's very important. Again, you got to consider the defense who they're playing. While I believe one player is better than the one who I'm going to put at number one, I'm going to have to go with Tyree Kill at number one because it's the Titans defense and not the Niners defense. So Tyree Kill... Again, yes, they have a lot of players who can damage you, but if you want to go downfield, Tyreek Hill will be the furthest one down there, and if you can get the ball down to him and heave it down there, he'll score a touchdown. That guy is so dynamic, so incredible, and I think that he will probably have the biggest day out of all the wide receivers going in conference championship weekend. I agree. I think if we were just going who is the best receiver – then yeah, I believe it's Devontae Adams. However, I do believe that Tyreek Hill is not that far behind that the matchup doesn't pull him ahead. I think he he is the number one option here. We talked about the Week 10 matchup against the Titans. 19 targets, 11 catches, 157 yards. He went to town on those Titans. Oh, yeah. And so it's hard to look at that compared to what Devontae Adams did against the Niners in week 12. And so I I just don't see how you can look at the evidence of what we had. Sure, Adams had seven catches, but it was 43 yards. He really didn't take the top off of the defense. And so I would be leaning Tyreek Hill. It is another close one for me, to be fair, but I'm leaning Tyreek Hill here. But my number two... I think is still Devontae Adams because he's played some great defenses and still had a big day and he's going to get volume. He's going to get targets. 
It doesn't matter whether they're underneath or over the top. He's going to get targets. And we only had to see last week against Seattle what he could do with the ball in his hands. He is dangerous. Yeah, he's he's like a Michael Thomas kind of guy where you can completely and totally rely on him. You know what's going to happen. Look, Devontae Adams is way up there as one of the best players, wide receivers in the league. His matchup I don't love, but again, like we talked about earlier, I believe they're going to move him around, whether it's in the slot, if he's playing the X or the Z, and he's going to go up against Sherman, and he can beat Sherman. Yeah, tougher defense, San Francisco, but Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and he will get him the ball one way or another. So I do believe that Devontae Adams is the second best by matchup going into this weekend. Three I struggled with because we got a lot of guys out there. Look, we got, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown. There are players out there. You know, George Kittle is a tight end, so he's not in this category. But, again, going with the defenses and who they – gosh, man. A.J. Brown, I really do believe, is going to be the go-to guy on that offense other than Derrick Henry – I think he's going to be targeted at least 12 to 14 times in this game. I do believe that because they're going to have to throw. So I think that A.J. Brown is my number three guy going into this weekend, given the matchup and given how much they're going to need him to play really, really well. Yeah, this is what I also struggled with. I flitted between Debo and A.J. And I think... I think I'm leaning AJ Brown as well. I believe, again, they will have to throw because they will be behind. The Niners, I believe, will be ahead and therefore will not need to throw as much. And so I think he is the go-to guy. And uh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to look past him when they're looking at who, who they're targeting. However, I do believe that there is a drop-off somewhat from him to the other receivers, from him to Corey Davis to Tajay Sharp, to Khalif Raymond. And so if the Chiefs are able to key on him, I could see them struggling elsewhere in terms of throwing the ball and they may need to rely on their tight ends a little bit more. But I will give the edge just to AJ Brown. But at my number four, I will go Debo Samuel. It's a tough one between Debo and Sanders, but Debo's really shown himself to be the guy in the past few weeks because we're not just throwing the ball to him. We're getting him the ball on end arounds. He's able to rush the ball. And so when you have a guy that dynamic and that versatile, if you want to get the ball in his hands, you're able to just do it. You don't need to worry so much about how you, about, you know, whether will he be targeted on this play? Will he be throwing the ball? Will he get open? We can get him the ball if we want to. And that's something that's, you know, it's been trouble for a lot of people. And so I would certainly f- stick Debo above Emmanuel Sanders by a little bit. Yeah, I would too. Um, I really would, like you said, just because of the de- the diversity that uh, Debo brings, you know, again, on end arounds and things like that. He's so fast. He's so strong, so hard to bring down. So it's hard putting him at number four because of how good he is. But we explained again, it is the matchups. And, you know, that's why A.J. Brown, I have number three. God, do they miss Delaney Walker, the Titans. My goodness, they can use him so bad right now. That would be tremendous. And Delaney Walker, we know we had him for a while and stupidly let him go and kept Vernon Davis, you know, for a little bit longer. But Delaney Walker was a phenomenal player. Loved him. Great guy. Great. So, all right. So we're pretty much uh, agreeing on that one. We're going to go to the tight ends and then we got the coaches. 
We'll go through, through this a little bit quicker. One, again, you can debate on this big time. And, you know, the two guys were debating. It's either George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. Now, <laughs> I mean, we can do a really deep dive into it, but both teams have other playmakers, so I'm not going to get too much involved into that. I'm going to get involved with other things where the 49ers run game is so important and George Kittle is a much better blocker than Travis Kelsey. So it's not just about going out and catching passes, which I know George Kittle is going to do. Again, I think he's going to have over 100 yards and about 9-10 catches this game. But he's also going to set key blocks for Mostert, Coleman, Brita, whoever it may be, even Kyle Juszczyk, to get big chunk plays. So I think that he's extremely important, and he's my number one tight end going into the weekend. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people debating this on on Twitter as to as to who is the better tight end. I believe Kittle is the better tight Damn end. Damn right, kids. He, <laughs> he is an elite. Yeah, he's an elite run blocker, and I think offensively, in terms of catching the ball, I think they're right by each other. I think it's it's almost too close to pick. If this was last week, I'd have probably been leaning Kelsey because the Vikings are so good against tight ends, but. The Packers, not as good. And so I'm going to lean Kittle because I think in the passing game, he'll be a factor. But like you said, that run game, he is so important. There was plays last week where he was blocking Efferson Griffin one-on-one and beating him, creating a lane. When you've got a tight end that can move not just any defensive end, but an elite defensive end like that, it's like having an extra offensive lineman, apart from the offensive lineman, will burn you if you put a linebacker on him. And so I'm leaning Kittle for sure, but Kelsey is obviously a very, very easy number right. two. We can even call him 1A. We're not going to get it. But look, we already went over it. Travis Kelsey is phenomenal. One of the best ball catchers in, in the league, whether it's a tight end wide receiver or a running back. He's got great hands, the guy. He is an excellent football player. You see, anytime he does drop a ball, which is few and far between, he's trying to punch a hole through the ground. That guy's got a lot of heart, as does Kittle. Number three, uh, look, to me, it's pretty easy. You know, look, John Smith made a great catch in the end zone last week for a touchdown, but Jimmy Graham is definitely more important to the Packers offense. Again, especially because they don't have other guys to rely on. We're talking about Devontae Adams. Marcus Van Del Scanding has one catch in the past 14 years. You know, I mean, Geronimo Allison, they probably changed his number to like, you know, you know, 14 or something like that. But there is nobody there to help out except Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. So Jimmy Graham becomes that much more important in this game. He's going to have to catch some third down passes. He did last week in a big spot against Seattle, if you remember. So he's going to have to be there to be a little bit of a crutch for Aaron Jones. So I would take him over Smith. Uh. Easily, no problem. I don't agree. Really? I, I don't agree. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. I oh, I can't wait. I, I just Jimmy Graham. He's not. He's not really been anywhere this season. I think Johnny Smith has had a far better season than Jimmy Graham has, and I don't like the matchup against against the Niners linebackers. Now that we've got Quan Alexander back and we've got Chukowski Tart back, or whichever one you stick on him. I think he's 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 better, you know. Johnny Smith you know, and Jimmy Graham's stat lines for the year, you know, they're pretty similar. But Jimmy Graham's been the the guy all season. 
you know, and that's not been the case for Johnny Smith. Delaney Walker was the guy early on. And since he's come in, I think he has played far better for me. And if the Chiefs do key on AJ Brown and do double him, then the next guy for me is Johnny Smith that Ryan Tannehill will be looking for. Whereas you can argue Jimmy Graham is the next guy as well for Aaron Rodgers. It's probably Jones. But I, You're right. It's probably Jones. Yeah, it's probably yeah. Jones. And okay. and I yeah, I just I, I if I'm picking one of them on my team, I'd probably rather have Johnny Smith. Than, than Jimmy Graham, really, for All me. Right. I could dig it. Yeah, Jimmy Graham, obviously, is not what he was with the Saints. Uh, if he were, then Green Bay would probably be a much formidable team. Yeah, all right, we're, gonna dis- we're going to disagree on this one. I think that Aaron Rodgers needs Jimmy Graham more than uh, Tannehill needs Smith in this game. But uh, very good argument put up by you, no doubt about it. All right, let's close it out with the coaches. Then we're going to do a little over-under after. That should, be, uh, that should be fun for you guys. And you can hit us up on Twitter at 49ers Brawl and let us know what you think about our rankings and about the over-under that we're about to get into. So I'm going to stop saying about, and we're going to play. Here we go. Over-under. Jacob, this is for you, baby. Jimmy G, Mm -hmm. our guy. Over-under, 275 yards. Under. I've got to tell you the under there. The Niners are going to be ahead. They're going to be running the ball. I think they will throw early, very much like they did against Minnesota, to get ahead. But once they're ahead, I see them running the clock, running the ball. And bar a few chunk plays here and there, I believe they'll go under. I have him more closer to the 240. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Aaron Rodgers, we know he's going to have to throw the ball because they probably will be playing from behind. Does he eclipse 300 yards? No, I don't believe he. I'm going under again on this Mm. one. He will have to throw. Don't get me wrong. But he had to throw last time, and look how that went. Now, I think he will do better than 104 yards, don't get me wrong, but 300 against this Niners passing defense, the only time people have done that has been when that defense was at its weakest, at its most beat up. We're missing Tart. We were missing Kawan. Sherm had to go off. We didn't have the depth at the pass rush. When it's at its healthiest, 300 is no easy feat. I'm going to go under. I also have him quite close to the 240 mark. Okay, fair argument. I dig it. I dig it. Okay. Going to our big guy over here, Patrick Mahomes. 325 yards. Ooh, that's a good line. That's a good line. I... I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. I think they will be ahead, but... The Chiefs just don't seem a team to me to abandon what works, even when they need to run the totally ball, even agree. when they need to be Totally ahead. agree. Yep. They they keep with what's working. They have a quarterback that completes a high enough percentage that the clock isn't stopping every time they drop back. And so... I expect them to pass a lot in this game like they did last time they played the Titans. I don't quite see him getting up near quite, you know, the 448 mark like he did last time, but I would lean slightly over the 325, but it's it's pretty close to where I have okay, it. Okay, we'll see. If they get out to a tremendous lead, maybe not. But uh, listen, I'm, I'm kind of on your side. I think it goes over. Quick bonus for Mahomes, 2.5 touchdowns over under. 
And that's passing, not altogether. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to take the under on this one. Uh, it's, it's, It's a close one. But as much as I see them throwing a lot in the open field, last week we saw what Damian Williams can still do, and he does it very well near the goal line for a slighter guy. Uh, and so I, I think they will try once they get close in to to run the ball in. And so I'll take a slight on the under. All right, Ryan Tannehill. We know had a very nice game against the Chiefs last time they played back in Week Ten. Can he throw for more than two hundred and fifty yards this game? I and so far I, he doesn't even have combined two hundred and fifty yards in the playoffs. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah the. The question here is how quickly do they abandon the game plan? I've never been a huge fan of abandoning the run just because you get two scores down and you're in the second quarter. For me, do what you do well until you absolutely have to. If you can get to the fourth quarter and you're down two scores, okay, throw the ball. If you get down three scores, four scores, okay, throw the ball. Extend the game as much as possible. But when you're so dominant running the ball... If you're down early, don't panic. Do what you do well. And it's tough because you might see the Chiefs just be able to then score in two seconds and you're taking seven minutes. But I don't think they abandon it too quickly. I think they'll abandon it late. And so I will take a slight under on Tanya. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it, It definitely does. And again, it is very contingent upon how the game does go. So we'll see. Tannehill capable of doing it? Yes. Will he? Don't know. That depends on how much Derrick Henry gets the ball and how much success he has. Let's move over to the run game, the rushing. Here we go. Our team, 49ers. As a team, not an individual, as a team, will the 49ers have over 200 yards rushing as a team? Ooh, as a team. That I'm going to take Debo Samuel, maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, sneak up the middle, whatever it may be. The whole team. I'm going to go. I'm going to take a. I'm going to go under. Actually, right. on this one, right. it's, it's 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 close. I think they will be ahead. As I said, I think they will be running the ball. Two two hundred two hundred is a lot. You know, uh, I think. We, I could see us if the Packers try and go all out in terms of stopping the run once they once we get ahead. I know Kyle is not afraid to f- throw some pass plays in that. We saw that when we were up against an, against the Saints. We were still throwing the ball. I think we're happy to take whatever you give us. And while I think we do try and run the ball, I believe that there will be some pass mixed in there. I don't think it'll be quite like the Vikings game where they just abandoned the pass altogether because the run was working so magnificently well. And so I think there's some middle point where they're not throwing the ball so much that Jimmy's going over 275, but I don't think they're rushing quite enough to get over that 200. That you know, that 200's a high mark. The only team averaging over 200, I believe, is Baltimore. Right. And so and the 49ers, I'm going to take the... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm just gonna say, I'm just, so I will. I would be taking the under. Okay. On that. Yeah. We and look. The 200 is a lot as a team, as an individual, whatever it may be. 
the 49ers are certainly capable of doing it. They have done it a few times this year. I actually think they will because I think they're going to be up enough in order to run a lot in the second half, mainly the fourth quarter. So I think they get their chunk uh, that way, or at least I hope so. <laughs> All right. Uh, second guy on our list is Aaron Jones. We've been talking a lot about him. Since he does catch the ball out of the backfield as well, and he does run, albeit against a very stout 49er defense, will he eclipse 125 all-purpose yards? No, I'm taking the under on this one. I believe he will get three or four catches, maybe a little bit more. Uh, Again, I think the Packers will be behind. And while... I've said the Titans shouldn't abandon the run so early. I believe that's because they're so dominant running the ball. The Packers are good running the ball, but they're not quite Tennessee. They're not quite Baltimore. And so I believe they will try and throw the ball, especially if they are trying to mix in these these things that the Rams did against us, moving the pocket, that kind of thing. And so I think he'll go under the 125 for me. All right. We shall see. We shall see. It depends how well those screen passes work out. Damian Williams, the featured back for the Kansas City Chiefs. They like to put in a few different guys. LaShawn McCoy has been absent. Damian Williams, we talked about how he as well can catch passes out of the backfield. He can run the ball as well. He doesn't have a high percentage, uh, you know, a high, a high rushing percentage, but he can catch the ball. So this is, again, all purpose. Going against the Tennessee Titans. A little bit lower for him. I'm going 100 all-purpose yards. I think he can take that. I think he can take 100. I believe if they are ahead, you know, we said, right, they don't abandon what's what what's working. And that's absolutely right. I don't think they do. However, I believe last half of the fourth quarter, I, I think he can certainly rack up some garbage time yards. That's for sure. He's very good out of the backfield. LaShawn McCoy, you know, he didn't even get on the field last week after they rested him in week 17 and maybe even 16. And so it seems like since Damian Williams has come back, he's certainly been the feature guy. Uh, And before he was injured, he was clearly the one they wanted to go with. And the the split backfield seemed to really become, become a thing as a result of his injury and not through choice. And now he is back. I think he's the feature guy and they're going to get him the ball a number of different ways. And I wouldn't be surprised if he touched the ball 20 times in this game. Yeah, that that's a good call. That's a good call. I think that he will uh, have a lot to do with this game. There's no doubt about it. Very good player. Very under the radar player as well. Uh, last one for our rushing, and that would be our league leading rusher, Derek Henry, who ran for 1540 this year, I believe. He won't get that many yards in this game, but do you think that he can get more than 130 rushing yards? In this game? 130. I mean, he's topped that both playoff games, right? Sure has. I think, I think that fourth quarter is going to be the issue. We said they should stick with the run, but once they get fourth quarter, if they're still behind, they're going to have to change it up. And I think that is going to be, I think that's going to be the difference, really. He, he's uh, he's accumulated a lot, of, a lot of yards late in games. Defenses are tired. They're trying to just run that clock out. And so I think that fourth quarter could just be a difference on this one. 
and that's what's going to take him just under. Yeah, the score is going to dictate whether or not he will rush for that many yards. There's no doubt about it, unless he busts off an 80-yard run, which he's certainly capable of doing. He can easily do that. All right, we're going to keep it going. Our last category over here would be receiving, obviously, and we can go a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, you know, we don't, don't don't just have to pick one receiver from each team, but we're going to start with our guy over here, George Kittle. I don't know why I wrote down at 116 yards. It just came to my mind. But over under, 116 yards for our guy, George Kittle. That's a high total. That is a high total. Uh, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go on the, on the under on this one. I, he, he's certainly, you know, he topped that last time. But I believe the only other game he's he's topped that in is the Falcons game. And so... It is a high high total, and I do believe that the Packers, even if it means they get opened up elsewhere, will be determined not to let it be George Kittle as he's the best player on our offense. And so I'd have to take the under as 116. All right. Um, I actually think he's going to go over. I think he's going to be right around 116. I think he'll have that monster game. He will get in the end zone. Um, do you think that he's the leading receiver in this game for the 49ers, or do you think it's Debo or Emmanuel Sanders? No, I believe he will be the leading receiver, uh, especially if the if the Niners are, are ahead. And I don't I don't see Debo or Emmanuel going, you know, over 70, 80 yards, really. So I do believe he, he'll be the leading receiver. Uh just not so no, okay. Well, we know somebody who's capable of putting up extremely high numbers, and that is Devontae Adams. Now, again, we're going to have to see how he lines up, how he's covered, um, if he's going to be covered by Sherman on his side of the field, if he moves around and whatnot. But we do know that one way or the other, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball his way, probably around 15 targets at least this game. So with that being said, and knowing how good the 49ers' pass defense is, does Devontae Adams get over 100 yards receiving? Ooh. I, I think he can. I could see him really having a high percentage of the targets and of the of the completions. I, I When there's just such that drop-off after him, I believe that Mosley can certainly cover the next best guy, and when it is Devontae Adams not on Sherman's side, I think they'll almost automatically go to him. And so I think he certainly has the ability to to, to go over 100 yards, and I could see him having a, a huge percentage of their passing yards where that's kind of the only win they really feel they have is Devontae Adams against some of our DBs. Yeah, Green Bay can definitely play a lot of mind games with Devontae Adams, you know, where they line him up. You know, if they line him up on the right side, away from Sherman, you may think the ball is going to him. Certainly most people would, but maybe all of a sudden they run a a wide receiver screen the other way. So they could use that to their advantage unless the 49ers are smart enough to dissect the play ahead of time and know what's going on. So that'll be an interesting little chess match. Very interested. Devontae Adams, 100 yards. Yeah, even against the 49ers, yes. I believe that he'll get 100 yards or more. No doubt about it. Another great wide receiver who is about half his size, but twice as fast as Tyree Kill. Guy is unbelievable. Now, again, we know they have a lot of weapons, so that ball's going to get spread out. But will it be his day? Will Tyree Kill 
lead the Chiefs in receiving yards on Sunday? That's a that's a tough one. The ball does get spread out a lot. I think it's 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 between him and Kelsey, yeah. obviously. Yeah, um, and I think I'm going to give the edge to Kelsey there, just because I think they will rely on him to have a higher target share than they will against than they will for Tyreek. If they're ahead, I could see them going a little bit safer. I know we said they still will like to pass, but you want high percentage throws in that situation so that you aren't stopping the clock even when you drop back. And so I could see Travis Kelsey's target share being higher than Tyreek's. And the question really then is, does Tyreek break it with a big one to overcome it? But I'm going to give the slight edge there to Kelsey. Yeah, Andy Reid can say to Patrick Mahomes, don't throw it so deep and have, uh, you know, more consistent, uh, you know, easy passes. But Pat Mahomes is going to throw the ball down the field. So not that uh, Travis Kelsey can't can't get down the field, but Tyreek Hill can get down the field much quicker. And again, the defense, the secondary of the Titans is (laughs) really just not that good. So I think that they hold a distinct advantage there. And I think Tyreek Hill will get over 100 yards in the first half. We'll see how much more he gets after that. But, yeah, I think that he leads the Chiefs uh, in, in receiving that day. On the other side, the other team, of course, would be the Tennessee Titans. And really their best wide receiver, as we talked about, is A.J. Brown. He's the guy they go to. Um, he could break plays. You know, we've seen him in the past few weeks break big-time plays. So he is capable going against a mediocre Chiefs secondary at, at best of getting 100 yards receiving. You think he will? No, no. I think he's definitely the guy, but I believe he's, the Chiefs are going to try their best to make sure he's not the the, ga- the game-breaker in, in the passing game. And I think it's a tough ask for A.J. Brown to have over 100 yards when we've probably really only got Tannehill for about 220, 230, 240 it's tough really for AJ Brown to be getting about 40% of that. So I I think he certainly will get a high target share, but I I struggle to see him going over 100 yards. Yeah, you got to wonder where all the balls are going to go. I did. <laughs> Again, so interesting. So many dynamics in this game. The Chiefs, number two seed, they had the home by the Titans, the number six seed. Uh, no team has done that since the actually the Green Bay Packers in 2010 has gone on to win the Super Bowl as a six seed. I don't see that happening now. We both gave our final score for the Chiefs-Titans game. I had it 31-23. Jacob, you had what again? Oh, I don't think I did pick, actually, you know. Oh, you didn't pick it yet? <laughs> no, I don't oh, think I picked sorry. it. I thought you gave your score before. I apologize. I apologize. No, it's cool. It's oh, cool. I'm, I'll pick it right now. Yeah, let's get I'm in. I'm going to pick it right now. Let's get into it. Mine is 31-23, and uh, that's right. I said earlier that, that's right. That's my fault. I said earlier that the Titans would probably get a cheap touchdown at the end, more like a 31-16 score, but I'll say 31-23. I'm going to go 34-21. I think the Titans are going to carry on their streak of no field goals. I think once they go behind, they're going to start especially staying on the field because they want to keep going. And, you know, as you, you can't have kicker issues if you don't kick. Right. But I do see the Chiefs' offense being too much for them. So 34-21. Okay, okay. I can certainly see that score. And I can see the Chiefs beating them by a couple of touchdowns, maybe more. 
Also could see a close game. We cannot forget that Tennessee did beat them earlier this year. So we'll see what each team learned from film study and put it out on the field. Now going to our game, we broke it down before. We gave you the stats. We gave you the players. We gave you the coaches. All right. We got, you know, first year Matt LaFleur going against Kyle Shanahan just a few couple of years in over here. Kyle Shanahan, great offensive mind. Same can be said about Matt LaFleur. Things did work out with him and Aaron Rodgers, despite all the controversy and criticism this year. But the marriage with Garoppolo and Shanahan has just been unbelievable. We've talked about the Niners from top to bottom. They're just a complete football team. The Packers, yes, I said that they were a very good football team last week and would beat Seattle. They did. They looked pretty good doing it but not great doing it. And again, that's because they lack the playmakers really on both sides. The 49ers have an abundance of playmakers on both sides. I absolutely believe they win this game. I think they may even have it locked up at halftime with a 21 to nothing, 24 to three score going into halftime. Very possible, which is why I have the Niners only scoring 28 to the Packers 17 because the Niners will run the ball about 40 times this game. Yeah, I had it 24 to 17. I think the Packers will struggle to top 20 points. Um, And I think the Niners, yeah, they'll get ahead. And then I think the game slows down, certainly when they start running the ball. I I struggle to see it. It can't, I don't think it's as big a blowout as last time. Everything kind of points to the fact that it, it will be, but it, I find it so hard to to write off Green Bay and like that. Uh, but I certainly do have great confidence in the 49ers winning. As, as nervous as I am, I certainly think they can win this game. I certainly think they can be in the Super Bowl. And if that's the case, I'll be a very, very happy man. Yeah. Yes, uh, you will be. And you will be there to see it, which is just... Incredible. Oh, just incredible. I'm still trying to do everything I possibly can to get tickets to that game. Man. I mean, I'm <laughs> telling you, it really would be unbelievable. I, I, oh, God. But again, they have to get there. Look, even though we said on paper this, that, the other thing, they still have to go out there and win the game. Anything can happen. God forbid, God forbid a player gets hurt in this game. Look, the 49ers have been dealing with those injuries all year long, but they were able to to get healthy at the right time. And I think that's the key to absolutely everything, that they're healthy at the right time. So I am, I don't want to say overconfident, but I am extremely confident going into this game. Again, given the stats that we talked about, about the players on the 49ers, the abundance on both sides, and the lack that Aaron Rodgers has to work with, even though this is a pretty good team and they can rush the passer and, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and believe it or not, he can still scramble a little bit and run. It's not going to be enough to beat San Francisco. It just won't be. Maybe the 49ers get more than 28 points, but they cover the spread. They beat the Packers convincingly, in my opinion, again, 28-17. So in that case, it's going to be a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl the way we look at it, and wow. We're not going to talk about that now, Jacob, but – could you imagine that offense going up against our defense? That, for me, would be my favorite matchup across this playoffs, is that uh, Chiefs offense against that Niners defensive backfield and that defense. It it's It would be so intriguing to me to see, you know, can they slow Mahomes down? 
Can they stop him entirely? It will certainly be his toughest matchup of the year and it will certainly be our toughest matchup of the year. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not look past Green Bay because they're certainly not a team to look past, especially not going 13-3. and So, yeah, I'm I'm going to leave the Super Bowl for now and we're going to have plenty of time to get into that next week if and when the 49ers have beaten the Green Bay Packers and are heading to Miami. Yeah, if they don't beat them, I don't know if we're going to have a show next week. I think that I'll probably, (laughs) you know, maybe I'll be locked up at some mental ward or something like that. I really don't know. But yeah, again, brother, I I have full confidence in this game. I would be extremely disappointed if they lose. Look, I'm dying for a Super Bowl over here. It's been a long time for me. Like I said, 94 in the 80s, I was a little bit younger, so I really couldn't fully grasp all of that. But I'll never forget that feeling in 94, even though it was a blowout. And I knew we were going to win the game before it even started. I mean, we're talking about freaking Stan Humphreys as the quarterback for, for the San Diego Chargers, for God's sake. Nobody even knows who he is. So they romped him. They even, by the way, they covered the spread in that game, which was 19 and a half points. <laughs> they covered the spread. It was 46-23, I believe the final was, which is just incredible. So Steve Young throwing six touchdowns in that Super Bowl. It was such a great feeling, and I haven't had it since, and I'm looking forward again. I would love to feel that. But again, like you said, bro, one game at a time. We got the Packers in the late game this weekend. We both like the Niners. We both like the Chiefs. We like the home teams. It always seems that one of the road teams pull it out somehow. It's amazing to me, but – Let's hope not for the NFC sake, right, Jacob? Yeah, it's funny how you said you pref- you you're happy that the Niners is the late game. Man, I wish the Niners was the early game because I will not be able to enjoy that AFC Championship <laughs> game because because I'm just going to be thinking about the Niners game. I'd have much preferred. I loved it last weekend. The Niners game away early, got the W. We can sit back and enjoy the rest of the football. I don't know how I'm going to be able to enjoy this Chiefs-Titans game. I hope it's a good game because it will then take my mind off the Niners game a little bit because last week leading into that Niners game, I was a little bit of a little bit of a mess nerves. No, absolutely. Know that about it. I, I do hear you. I guess my thinking is is that I'll, I'll get to try to enjoy a football game as much as I can because if, God forbid, the 49ers were to lose and they were the first game, I wouldn't have any TV oh, sets yeah. to even watch the second game. <laughs> and I can't have that. I can't have that. Oh. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I get that for sure. I get that for sure. But yeah, but here you go. That's it. That is- Green Bay on Sunday, 6.40 Eastern, is it? I know it's 11.40 over here in the UK. So it's going to be a late one for me, but I will be up nevertheless. That's for sure. I finish work just before kickoff again. So I'm going to race home just in time for kickoff and watch that opening kickoff. But yeah, I think that's going to do it from us. That was your preview. Niners, Packers, Chiefs, Titans. Hopefully you're cheering on the Niners. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at 49ers Brawl. You can also follow us on Facebook at 49ers Brawl. Uh, myself on Twitter at JBB Football. And of course, my co-host, Jason, at Sports Profit One. That's the number one. Make sure to give us a follow as well. If you want to talk Niners, hey, just give us a message. We'll make sure we reply. Maybe even a little shout out on the show. Hopefully, we'll have some good positive things. 
to be discussing next week. That's right, right, man. Look, we're breaking down the Super Bowl next week. We're going to talk about the conference championship games no matter what. Let's just, again, pray that the 49ers are the team we're talking about two weeks from then going to the Super Bowl down here in Miami. It would be a wonderful treat. Last time we went uh, six years ago, it wasn't. Baltimore had us from the beginning. And again, I was the one who knocked the lights out in the stadium. So I tried to help the Niners out as much as I could. It didn't really work out that way, but you know what? Okay, no problem. Michael Crabtree, three times in the end zone, blew me away. That was almost like a Marshawn Lynch type of thing. Like, run the ball. Let's go, all right? You know what? We got a better coaching staff this time. I think things are going to work out really well. Let us pray. Let us talk on Sunday. We'll go back and forth while the game is going on, and hopefully it'll cap off a beautiful weekend, my friend. Hell yeah. Go Niners. That's it, baby. All right. Go Niners is right. Go 49ers Brawl Podcast. Check us out on Twitter, on Facebook. I am Jason Fearman for Jacob Barner. We are out for now. We'll talk to you next week. At Farmers Insurance, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. And we know that it can get a little weird when things just don't work together. That's why Farmers lets you bundle your home and auto insurance together. And doesn't that sound nice? Bundle with Farmers today and you could save an average of 20% too. Talk about music to your ears. Visit Farmers.com or call 1-800-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Reported 2018 nationwide average savings underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. New year, new you, new things. What have you done this year? Have you gotten where you want to? If you have that intent, we can help you reach your goals. At Florida Career College, we offer short-term programs in healthcare, trades, and business. And we help with job assistance. Florida Career College has everything you need to help you along the way. Let's go. Let's grow. Let's get started. Text FCC to 474. 47 47 that's fcc to 474747